my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night, as I am recording this, following a Nuggets final overtime win over the New Orleans Pelicans. Final score, 120-114. to 114. Nikola Jokic, just, uh, just doing what he does. He had his big moment tonight. He has several big moments throughout the season, but this one felt like his first true MVP performance. Uh, I am joined tonight by a very special guest. He has never made an appearance on the Pickaxe Roll podcast before, and I am loath to say that that is a complete uh, and utter failure by me. Uh, he is Thomas Knowlton at TommyNo303 on Twitter. Tommy, how are you, man? It's good to hear from you. I'm doing fantastic, Ryan. I appreciate the kind words from you. I'm uh, excited to be on the show finally and uh, excited to come on following a rare Nuggets win these days. Yeah, two and eight in their last 10 coming up through this stretch until they got this win. Uh, it, it's nice to get a, a tough one. It was really, really nice to see. It's it's not easy to go on the road shorthanded and get a win when you give up a second half lead like that. And that's what happened again in this one. Uh, and we'll talk about that later. We'll, we'll definitely get to that. But I first want to discuss the man of the hour, Nikola Jokic, who I, I'm running out of superlatives to give him. Uh, Michael Malone jokingly tonight after the presser said uh, he continues to put separation between him and Larry Bird, which I don't know if that's a joke. Like that's there's there's some funny stuff there that I mean because what Jokic is doing right now is unbelievable. In a 120 to 114 overtime game, he goes for 39 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. At one point throughout this game, uh, going into the fourth quarter and in overtime, I'm gonna pull the numbers here real quick and just do the quick math because it felt like he was scoring in every possession. Man, just doing everything that he could uh, to keep this Nuggets team in it. Uh, he got a two-pointer there, uh, missed it there, four points. Oh, man, this is great podcasting. Uh, he, I think he scored 13 points in a row. I think that's the number. We're just going to go with that one. Uh, when you carry a team like that, Tommy, you, you put yourself into very special territory, uh, what did this performance stand out to you for? And, and how big was this for Denver to get? 
Well, first of all, I, I don't think it's too blasphemous to say that Jokic is separating himself from Larry Bird in certain categories. These type of performances where you're scoring 13 straight in overtime, on the road, in a place that you really haven't had a whole lot of success. The Nuggets have played uh, the Pelicans, I think, six times over the past uh, couple of years, and um, the record is three and three. So this is a tough. This was a tough opponent. Um, it's always a tough opponent on the road. Um, but when you can <laughs> give it to Jokic in the post every single time, the defense knows exactly where it's going, and he can continue to convert. It, it, it's exceptional. I think he had one move. I'm not sure if that was late in the fourth or late in overtime, where he got Valanciunas on the block deep on the left block and he got his body into him, did an up and under spin and then up and under again to convert the layup. And I don't think there's another center or player in that league who, who can do that at all. He's, he's an absolute ballerina in the paint. That's a good way to describe him because he he's not a bulldozer. He's not somebody who mows you down, gets you out of the way with that physicality. He can do that at times, but it's just never his, it's never his go-to. He wants to make a quick, a quick, clean move or two or three or four that helped generate a, a wide open shot, an easy shot for him. And it, it did. And he worked Jonas Valanciunas and beat him like a drum. It was just over and over and over again, repetition uh, to the point where I, I was really surprised that the Pelicans didn't just double him straight up. Uh, or at least double him when he dribbled towards the middle of the floor. That's that seems like a a pretty standard thing that the Pelicans probably should have done. But they were very scared of the passing as well. Uh, they let him try to beat them, and he did, and he absolutely did. Uh, this felt like an MVP moment. This felt like where Denver had they're been up and down. They've been flirting with five hundred. They're they got back to five hundred tonight. And though they got some help from their bench tonight, and we'll certainly get to that, it certainly feels like Jokic just knows what this moment means for Denver, knows that there are certain games that you have to win, and you don't necessarily have to get a Chicago game, but you certainly have to get a game against the New Orleans Pelicans, a conference game, Mm -hmm. game where you're, you're pretty close. You know you can win it at the end. You know you've got a good matchup. Uh, this felt like a game that they knew they had to have, and Jokic delivered for them once again. Absolutely. And I, I think there's, um, uh, throughout the NBA landscape, I think there's a little disparity between um, MVP and who's the best player in the league. That not only was an MVP performance, but that was a best player in the league performance. I firmly now believe that. Ironically, last year when he did win the MVP, I didn't think – he um, stamped really his crown to be the best player in the league. But what he's doing this year, I, I, I don't think I could have more confidence in saying that he is the best player in the league right now. It's close. You got guys like Steph Curry, KD, um, Giannis that all impact the game, you know, in, in similar ways. But Jokic, it, the game is just so easy for him. And, and to your point, it's shocking that that the Pelicans didn't double late in the fourth and, and in overtime. But even if they did, it doesn't matter. He he would have found the open open person, and at that point, it's just up to the Nuggets to make shots. So I, I think overall, that game stamped his crown as the best player in the league right now. There are very few players in the NBA that can control possessions, can control games the way that he has, the way that he does on a very consistent basis. And I think you named the four, the three players outside of Jokic that you named, I think including Jokic, those are the top four in the league right now. Those are the four guys that you look to and say, okay, you are an MVP candidate. You are an MVP candidate. Uh, you could be the best player, but I, I really do genuinely believe that Jokic is the best right now. Uh, his defense has slipped a little bit. I will say that tonight and Over the course of these last couple of games, you can see the pressure mounting on him from a a energy perspective, a physicality perspective, where he's not necessarily imposing his will physically 
on the defensive end like he did at the beginning of the year. Uh, but you got to conserve that energy in order to score. You've got to create passes for your teammates. You've got to create buckets for yourself. You've got to do just about everything on the offensive end. And, and he's doing it right now. So it's going to be tough. I, I don't know how long he can keep this up for. Uh, he is 26 years old, so he's going to have as much energy possible as, as, as he really frankly can. But what he's doing right now, the run that he is on is unprecedented. Nobody has played like him, like what he's doing right now. And he deserves his flowers for it. Absolutely. I think to your point on the defensive end, I think he is trying to conserve um, some energy because the Nuggets rely on him so much on the offensive end. He needs to move without the basketball. He needs to post up. He needs to get good position. He needs to find where others are on the court. So he does need to conserve some of that energy for the offensive end. But LeBron does that too. So, you know, you know, people shouldn't hate on him for, for doing that on the defensive end at times. I mean, obviously you'd love to have a Faku Composo type effort where you're just going 110 miles per hour at every point. But but you, you do see those type of possessions in him. Even tonight, I saw a possession um, on the left wing where they he ran about 30 feet to go double Brandon Ingram alongside Will Barton. Ingram passed it cross court to the whole the other side of the court on the corner. And Jokic sprinted back 30 feet to go get on Jonas Valanciunas and, and, he, and he boxed him out and, and, you know, got a rebound. So I think he is showing, you know, some, some good effort for the majority of the game. And I think for the first 10 games of this season, I thought he was one of the best defensive centers in the NBA. And, you know, we, we couldn't say that last season or in past seasons. But now we know he has that in him. Now we know he can be an above-average defender. He has a Marcus Saul-like attitude towards him defending. He's smart, and that's that is exactly what makes him the best player in the league now, in my opinion. If he can be a plus defender, I really don't think it's close. Bar none, he's the best defender in the or best player in the NBA. Love it. Uh- did you think that the Sombor shuffle that he had at the end of regulation was going down? Oh, I think everybody thought that was going down. I was shocked that it did not because, honestly, Jokic, in my opinion, he's the most clutch player in the NBA. Maybe Damian Lillard above him. But you just don't see him miss miss game-winning shots. But to be honest with you, I think he's attempted that Sombor shuffle maybe six, seven times this season, and he hasn't. Hasn't really not knocked it down yet, so maybe he needs to get back in the lab. But I, I actually like that look because I think if you get him on the block in that in that position, because he had four minutes left, I think if he posts on the block, they're gonna double him, and then Jokic is gonna kick it out for you know to have somebody else make that shot. And I am not as confident in any Nuggets player making the last. Um, shot of the game besides Jokic. So I like that they got him kind of in an ISO, ISO or in an ISO, um, you know, part on the top of the key. And and he got a good look. He created separation and, um, you know, it just didn't go down. But he definitely proved in that overtime that, um, you know, <laughs> he is the best player in the league. I love it. And And to your point, putting him in the middle of the floor, it makes it much more difficult to double him. Uh, because you're going to have have somebody open that's one pass away uh, because he can make all of those passes. And sometimes those guys are one pass away, even when he's on the block. So making making it as difficult for the defense to double as possible, not a bad call. It was a pretty good shot that he got, uh, despite the fact that, hey, hasn't really hit the Sombor shuffles that much so far, but uh, they'll go down. They, they will. He's He's great at those shots when he needs to be. And I mean, sometimes, sometimes you just miss the open, the open shot, and then you make up for it in overtime. So it is what it is. Um, yeah. Hey, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the rest of the details of this game because uh, Jokic was great, but there were other things that happened too. We will be right back.
Black Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackbird here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Joined today by Tommy Knowlton. Make sure to follow his work over at Denver Stiffs. He put together a really great Sixth Man article. That's his series that he posts on every Wednesday. Takes a look at some of the under-discussed details, players from this Nuggets team. And I thought that he hit the nail on the head in his most recent post, and, and it really bore out tonight. Uh, two of the things that Denver has really struggled with so far, Tommy, uh, points in the paint, second half struggles. You shared some numbers in your post. Uh, some of the points in the paint numbers, I was just blown away by. Uh, some some of those numbers should not be that high that Denver's giving up. And uh, tonight they give up 66 points in the paint too. Exactly. 66 points in the paint again. And prior to this game during December, they're, <laughs> they're only scoring 34 points, um, you know, in the paint per game while giving up 50. So, you know, that that's a, that's a pretty surprising stat here because you have the best scorer in the paint. And it seems like we aren't utilizing our strengths right now. I mean, Outside of maybe Zeke Naji, and he really doesn't even get a lot of minutes. Is there one person on this team where their primary strength is three-point shooting? Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's Porter, but like other than him, it's, right, yeah, it's he's he's out, he's out. He's out. So you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're but, right. Yeah, Michael but, Porter, but he, but he he's not he's not in right now. So what we're doing is we're just chucking up. A bunch of threes in in the in the second half, and I think I had um, some numbers some numbers on this. Um, let's see, in the first half, the Nuggets have attempted 142 shots within five feet, um, and they're shooting 61% on those opportunities. You like that to be a little bit better, but that's neither here nor there. In the second half, they've only attempted 99 shots within five feet. So, in the second half. You're, you're shooting more threes. You're not getting to the paint. And what did we see tonight? We saw a lackluster performance in the paint during the second half. But when the Nuggets' backs were against the wall, they went right to the rack because they knew they had to have it. And it's a concern I have with this Nuggets team. I, I think right now for this 11-game stretch, I don't feel that they're igniting a sense of urgency for 48 minutes. I mean, it, it seems like they need their backs to be against the wall in order for them um, to get inside the paint. And we saw it in the second half. They're chucking up a bunch of threes. I think they only made three threes in the second half and in 19 attempts, I think. Right. But, but again, when, when they needed it, where did they go in the paint? And that's exactly what won them the ball game. They need to continue to do that. Yeah, it really stood out, I think, uh, in this game, Jokic was so good from two-point range. He was extremely efficient, somebody who could not be stopped when he was put into positions around the rim to score. Uh, and, and even when he was in the mid-range, he, he was just automatic from that distance to the point where New Orleans had to really crowd him. They had to force him to go off the dribble. They gave up a lot of points off of rotation when he was attacking, uh, but to start the third quarter, he spent a lot of time above the break. He spent a lot of time having others try to create, uh, maybe just running the DHO game, trying to get Monte Morris, Will Barton involved. Those guys aren't attacking the rim. Those guys are more in the vein of, we are going to take advantage of these open opportunities that Jokic generates. Uh, it's got to be Aaron Gordon. It's got to be Jeff Green who are taking more responsibility for that in these games, I think, because Barton has so much responsibility on him already when he's carrying bench units too. So I would highlight not just Jokic, but also Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, making sure they're making themselves available in front of the rim because they're so good when they get there. Uh, tonight, you didn't see that as much thought that Jeff Green wasn't as involved. I thought that Aaron Gordon wasn't as involved. And I think the box score reflects that. Yeah, 13 shots combined for the two of them. Not really surprising given the game plan, but they have to be more physical. 
Exactly, and and it's that's an interesting point on Jeff Green because I think there is some uh, chemistry brewing with Jokic and and Jeff Green. I think, oh yeah, even to even tonight when you had to have it, Jeff Green was cutting to the hoop, and, and he made a couple layups, and, and they need that from everybody, you know, not just from the bigs. You know, Barton needs to cut to the rim more. He's a good finisher. You know, they they have guys that have the ability to finish in, in the paint. Uh, but one thing about Jokic, and obviously he, play, he played great tonight, but if I am to nitpick, the first possession coming out of the third quarter was a Jokic step back three. Right. When has he ever done that? And by doing that, you're the leader of this team. That's that's transferring to, to the whole rest of the group. And it did. He shot that three to open up, uh, you know, the third quarter, and then the next five possessions, four of those possessions resulted in three point attempts, and three of them were air balls. So, <laughs> if I do, if I am allowed to nitpick on the greatness of Nikola Jokic, I think he can be a little more aggressive at times, not for himself, but just to show others. Hey, this is where we need to get our buckets in this quarter. We struggle in the third quarter just about every game. It's been happening since I got here. We just can't find a way to consistently win a third quarter. So this third quarter, let me get on the block. Somebody cut to the paint, and I'm going to find you. That's how we're going to make our money in this third quarter. And they didn't do it. They struggled. They shot a lot of threes. And I think a lot of that was, you know, kind of based on the first possession of the second half. It's going to be interesting to see how they evolve uh, because there, there isn't that many reinforcements coming back right now. Like you've got, you've got Austin Rivers who's eventually going to come back and whether he plays or not, I don't actually know. Uh, I, I don't see really any, like just kind of looking at the, the inactive list, it's PJ Dozier, Michael Porter, Jamal Murray and Austin Rivers. And then Vlaco, Bulbul, Marcus Howard, Zeke Naji were on the bench tonight and they didn't play. I'm not really playing a lot of those guys with the intention of, oh, yeah, you guys are definitely going to attack the paint and, and help us out. But uh, it's got to come from the starters. It's got to come from the guys that they're playing right now, Zeke Dashi, Jamichael Green, Bones Highland, et cetera. Uh, but it's really got to come from this group. And, and it's got to be a changing of their mentality to start this third quarter because that that starting unit is just it's just not going to change so you have to approach it from a different way uh it is funny i thought that uh katie Wingy said that they were very focused coming out of the the second half they got into layup lines they got into yeah. uh like they they when they're in shoot around rather than just kind of screw around they were very focused they were very attentive and then it just kind of fell apart anyway mm-hmm. i'm not really sure what i would do differently other than try to attack the paints uh, I think maybe starting with a Jokic post up. I think maybe trying to get Will Barton going a little bit. He really slowed down. I think that's that's one of the things that I'll say. Uh, Barton started this game red hot, just absolutely fiery from both inside and outside, and then really fell apart. Uh, not surprising given the sickness that he was dealing with, but uh, he he probably also has to play better too. Uh, he, he did fall off, but I mean, and to your point about the bench, and uh, we're going to highlight this um, a little bit later. I mean, I, I thought they played well tonight, but moving forward, they're, they're just going to have to do the dirty work. The starters are going to be the more finesse group. They're, they're the ones that are going to be, you know, shooting and making the threes and doing these fadeaway jump shots. The bench needs to come in with a mentality of, I'm going to beat you out tonight. I want it more than you. That loose ball over there, I want it more. I'm going to dive. I'm going to get on the ground. I thought you saw some really great play out of Jermichael Green today. You, you know, the, he he's a physical guy, but you, you don't really see – you don't see it uh, a ton because of his lack of production late. But he was physical tonight. I mean, he got up and just, you know, grabbed some rebounds um, over, over Valanchunas, who was a fantastic rebounder. Um, but, I, again, I, I think this is a team – and a bench that really just needs to focus on doing the dirty work. When I was writing um, the preview for uh, tomorrow's tomorrow's game, um, I looked at some stats and I saw that um, during the last 10 games, the, the Nuggets bench, they're last in the NBA in rebounding at 11 in the game. 
but the Pelicans are third best at 19 um, rebounds a game. And when you look at this Pelicans bench, they they don't have a ton of bigs. They they got Hernan Gomez, who's who's their backup center. But I, I mean, they're they're off the bench. They're throwing out guards and, and wings, and, and they're a good rebounding team. So what that tells me is that you know they just want it a little bit more, and that's what I want to see out of this out of this bench unit. You know, a little bit more aggression and, and just a little bit more want to. But I think they showed it tonight. That's what they're going to need to continue to do moving forward. Yeah, I want to credit the bench. I, th- I think that they did their job tonight. They they hold they held serve. They didn't have a bad stint. Uh, th- like at, at the very end of the first quarter, they gave up a lot. But other than that, I thought that like start of the second quarter, they got it a lot. They got a lot of it back. Third quarter, fourth quarter, they did their job of maintaining a lead. Uh, it really was Denver starters at various points that that struggled, but Denver starters finished all in the plus. Uh, Jamichael Green finishes with a plus two in 16 minutes. I want to highlight him because he's he's been having a really tough time. And I think everybody knows it. I think everybody's talking about it. I literally did a podcast yesterday about trade targets at center. Uh, so there's, there's a lot going on there. But uh, tonight he goes for 10 points, five rebounds, one assist, two steals, one block. All in 16 minutes, three of six from the field, one of three from three, three of four from the line. Uh, this was a bounce back game for him. I'm not sure if it's going to continue. I, I don't I don't want to like I want to credit him for the one game, but I also don't want to overstate what it was. It was his first good game of the year. Or maybe not first, but yeah. like he's it's his first it's real best. complete game of the year where he didn't just have good moments, he had great play throughout. Uh, what did you see from him specifically tonight that you liked? I really loved how he started the game off by absolutely bricking two shots. I mean, they were (laughs) ugly. It looked like an NFL linebacker trying to um, go to the gym and put out some shots. That being said, he started the game under adverse conditions, yet you saw him not put his head down. He got in the pick and roll with Faku and got that layup. That left-handed layup ignited his production throughout the whole game and a, a stat that I want to add on to, um, you know, w- what you said about him at the, at the end of the game, he had two charges tonight and taking charges that impact won't be shown on the box score. Cause it's kind of impossible to measure that. But when you take a charge that excites the whole team, it excites me at home. I want to get up and I want to run through a brick wall. I mean, you see the Nuggets bench just erupt in emotion. And when he did that, that's where the Nugget 7-0 run, 9-0 run, that those, that's when those runs happen. Because when you have that type of energy that's being ignited throughout the group, then everybody takes on that aggression that Jermichael showed, you know, getting in front of a 250-pound dude and laying it all on the line and taking a charge. And the Nuggets took three charges tonight, two from Jermichael and one from Fokker. And those two guys are the two guys that show the most aggression on this team, in my opinion. And I would love for some of the starters and, you know, maybe even some of the bench players to take a page out of Composito and and Jermichael's book and and just, just take a charge. Well, it should be like those guys, that should be their job. And and I, I want to say that they are on this team to fill that role specifically. You want those guys to be hustling. You want those guys to be connecting the team. They're not going to be the points guys. They're not going to be the, like Faku's a flashy playmaker and a facilitator for sure. But the fact that he had nine points on nine shots, that's not always going to happen. Like he, he's not always going to be the high shot taker. Uh, from from this particular group. Jermichael gets 10 points on six shots. That's not going to realistically happen a ton. And especially because those guys are pretty small for their positions. Faku 5'10 at point guard, Jermichael Green 6'8 at center. You want those guys to use their positioning rather than their size to make an impact. And, and that's what they did tonight. Thought that they were both pretty good. 
still think that Faku gets out of position a little bit by trying to help too much, by trying to do too much. Uh, like the the three that Devontae Graham hit over him kind of late in this game, that happened because Faku was over-rotated and, and he couldn't come back and close that out because he's five foot ten. Like, I mean, let's be honest. So yeah. <laughs> he's going to have to work extremely hard. Uh, but I do think that he and Jamichael both earned a, a pretty solid pass tonight. They were they were really good. They helped carry this bench unit. Bones was also very good too. Uh, not necessarily from a efficiency standpoint, but I thought the way that he played outside of the one turnover that he had and the one shot that he had uh, was was the proper amount of aggression where the Pelicans really had to respect him for sure. Uh, but yeah, bench held their, up their end of the bargain tonight, man. I thought that was pretty good. I was really excited to see it because they've been absolutely struggling. And and I really think that the energy that Jamichael and Faku showed tonight really helped that bench get going. I mean, those are two guys that play bigger than their size. I mean, there was a possession tonight where Jeff Green gets hurt. I think he bumps knees with Valanchunas. And Malone subs in Faku. And... <laughs> Everybody, everybody's like, Faku, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? Bold move. And, and hey, like, I understand where that sentiment is coming from. I get it. But what does he do when he gets in? The Nuggets, the Nuggets miss a shot. And there are three Pelicans right there for the rebound. Three, I think it was like two, two bigs and, and maybe a guard. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And he just dives in the middle of them and takes it from their hands. Now, it resulted in a jump ball, which I disagree with the call. I think Faku had possession. But that's the type of aggression you needed late in that game, that extra effort where you have three Pelicans that basically, uh, I mean, you know, you know, they're just you know, they're going to get the ball and they're going to go up court. Faku says, no, absolutely not. That's my ball. That's our ball. We're going to take it and, and we're going to get some points out of that. So I think the energy that Faku brings on a nightly basis – is invaluable. I know a lot of people maybe don't like his production, but it's invaluable. And the energy that Jamichael brings, it, it's kind of scattered. Okay, you'd like to see it more consistently. But I really, I really don't care if Jamichael has two points in the game, four points in the game, zero points in the game. You'd like to see him make the wide open threes that he continues to break. I'll give him credit; he did hit one tonight, but. His impact is measured on the glass, offensive and defensive rebounding, box out, getting on the floor, you know, sprinting in transition, switching on defense. And that's what I'm saying with this Nuggets bench. They got to continue to do the dirty things, and I thought they did them well for the most part tonight. I like it. I, I think that they, they definitely earned their credit. They definitely, like, I hope that we see this group again, kind of in a similar configuration. Only eight minutes for Zeke Najee tonight. Tonight didn't really like that, but hey, shout out Davon Reed for stepping up and hitting a couple of mid-range pull-ups that I thought were pretty important. And uh, yeah. he, he just seems very comfortable at the NBA level, and and that's that's a really exciting thing for Denver uh, to have a guy his size that steps up, kind of fills in the gaps, does what he can on the defensive end to make an impact too. So really like what I see from him. Uh, any thoughts on Davon Reed or any of the other Nuggets? I love bringing up Davon Reed. We obviously need another wing defender. And, I mean, to be honest with you, those, those two mid-range shots, the, the first one was kind of wild. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was contested. It was a tough shot. I, you know, I <laughs> – Looked but a little funky. He, he showed, exactly. <laughs> you know, he showed that he can he can score. So if he can ingratiate himself into the offense and, you know, have some cuts here and there for some dunks, offensively he can be placeable. But on the defensive end, a possession that stood out to me was – I can't remember who he was guarding, but um, he was just right up in his chili. He was not giving him any airspace and – because he wasn't giving him any airspace, the offensive player, you know, swung his swung his elbows around, and then you know they knocked heads. But just that aggression to to be right up in somebody's grill and you know say, hey, "Where are you going to go? You're not you're not going past me. 
that's the type of mentality that I love to see. I think Davon has it, and I'm excited to see, um, you know, his production and his intensity moving forward with his team. He's he's earned an opportunity, man. It it was a little bit bad against Chicago, but he wasn't really in a great position to succeed. Like when you're a when you're a complimentary wing like he is, a lot of it is dependent on the playmaker around you, and a lot of it is dependent on the rolling big man and how they are going to create shots and whether it's going to be picking pops for that guy, if it's going to be rim opportunities for that guy. If that guy draws attention, then you're going to get some looks. If he doesn't draw attention, then you might go 0 for 1 or 1 for 2 or something like that, and it's just going to feel like, all right, you're kind of there. You're kind of like doing stuff, but not really. So I do think that he's going to be a guy that can float in and out a little bit, so his impact has to be on the defensive end, has to be switching rebounding, guarding, doing everything he can to prevent people from getting to the basket. Uh, I like that mentality idea. I think that is something that this team lacks a little bit, that dog mentality. And if they are going to get this ship righted, they are going to need some of that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss, uh, we're we're just going to, we're going to talk about the rest of this road trip and where we go from here. We will be right back. Big Action Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Final segment joined today by Tommy Knowlton. Kind of doing a, a little bit of a different recap style for me. Usually I do the solo. It's the first time in a while that I brought somebody else on to help me recap the game. Uh, kind of nice. Kind of nice to be able to share the load a little bit and uh, have the two-man game as opposed to the isolation. That is a uh, that is a very important thing for me when, it, when I've been isolating for so long. Uh, Tommy, thanks for coming on with me. Uh, Denver, back-to-back tomorrow uh we're recording this it is currently 9 46 p.m uh denver has a game in about what 21 hours against the san antonio spurs they are going to be traveling to san antonio on a back-to-back they're going from new orleans to san antonio so it's not a far trip but it is a trip in and of itself what do you make of the san antonio spurs this year and uh how denver can attack them at the first bit I never count out the San Antonio Spurs. I know they have an 8-15 record right now, but just as everybody's not going to bet against Tom Brady, I'm not going to bet against Greg Popovich. He, he can scheme as well as any coach we've ever seen. And the way the Nuggets are playing right now, I mean, he, he, he should have a field day, uh, you know, with, with some of the schemes he, he can draw for, for his defense. Um, and one of the things about the Spurs is they really do just empty their whole bench. They play, they play a lot of players. It, it's hard to game plan, um, for that when, when, you know, you don't know who are you going to see coming, coming off the bench in the guard role. You're going to see Bryn Forbes. You're going to see Lonnie Walker, you know, like, who, who are you going to see a little bit of primo action, you, you know, like we don't know, um, you know, exactly who we're going to see, but um, this is going to be a tough two-game stretch. I, I can't remember the exact number, but wasn't it like we didn't win in San Antonio for 15 years or something like that? Like, it's like a, a gaudy number. Like I don't that. think like I don't think it was quite years. that long, but it was it was it was pretty absurd it, for a while. Uh, back in the back in the 2000s, yeah, we were we were just losing every single game. So th- this is going to be a tough one. This Pelicans win was a must win in my opinion. I like that you framed it in that way. Uh, Denver, they're currently three and two on their road trip. They've done they've done enough on this road trip that even if they lose their next two, it's not time to panic from a record standpoint. They've done enough that they can still be attached, that when they play some easier games, then they're going to be okay. But here's the thing. San Antonio, despite the fact that they have Greg Popovich, is an 8-15 and basketball team. If you lose to them twice in a row, 
that doesn't say a lot of great things. And it is really hard for teams to win twice in a row on a on a back-to-back, basically, where you play that two-game series. That's one of the things that really stands out about the NBA this year and last year is that they've started doing these two-game series in the wake of COVID-19 protocols. And Denver often in those situations goes one and one. They split those games and around the NBA, it is like that as well. Denver had a one and one against, uh, actually it was uh, two games in Memphis uh, earlier this year and they lost them both. But the second one was a lot more close than the first one was. Uh, I'm not surprised that they they haven't had that many of these over the course of their time, but they they have to be able to get one of these, I think. I do think that going four and three on this road trip as opposed to three and four would be a big deal. It, it, there's something uh, intrinsic or at least a mental piece of that that I think makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, to, to make up for that Orlando, that putrid Orlando performance, preferably, sure. you get both of these. I mean, the Nuggets are a better team than the Spurs. We know, we know this on paper, they're the better team. But again, you got the great Popovich factor and the fact that we're going to play on a back-to-back. Nuggets are not a great team um, on, uh, with back-to-backs this year. I mean, a defensive rating is um, 113. I'm looking at it right now. It's not a good number. Their net rating, negative eight. Um, usually they like to stay in, in an assist percentage of around, you know, the mid-60s. But um, on um, zero days of rest, that's uh, 55%. So they don't move the ball as, as well as they would like to on a back-to-back. And unfortunately, you know, you, you got New Orleans in, in OT tonight. So you had to spend some extra energy knowing that you're going to go into a very hostile place on a back-to-back. So it's going to be it's going to be a tough game. But this Nuggets team has enough talent to bring home to in San Antonio. And to be honest, if they do take home two in San Antonio, I think – the trajectory for the season completely changed, at least in my opinion um, of the confidence in this team, it will change because it's an incredibly hard place to play. And if you can steal two there, you know, one on a, one on, um, you know, the back to back, that is massive for this team moving forward. To your point about the minutes uh, tonight, Monte Morris plays 36, Will Barton 42, Aaron Gordon, 43, Jeff Green, 37, Nikola Jokic, 37. It's the first time in a while that I've seen all, all of the starters above 36 minutes. Uh, usually, Michael Malone does a pretty good job of, ro- of managing the minutes at times, but tonight the, the rotation was a little bit weird. There, was a, there were some quirks where the starters basically all played together for the first nine minutes of the game, and then there was a little bit of staggering after that in the, in the second quarter, but in the fourth quarter they played – all bench units. Uh, it, it was just very weird. So I'm going to say that Jokic is going to have to deliver once again. Uh, this would be a great time for Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green to step up. Monte Morris has been, uh, he's tired. He's been, he's had a lot of great games in a row tonight. Not as good, yeah. uh, but he could probably use a game where he only shoots eight times. Will Barton could use a game where he only shoots 10 times. He's been taking a whole bunch of shots lately, and it's been necessary, frankly. So Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, you want those guys to step up going forward, maybe play less complimentary roles and more of a a forward role, uh, just as somebody that's going to be very physical against the San Antonio Spurs team, which you can. They're they're starting Keldon Johnson and Doug McDermott. I think you can be physical against those guys. Exactly. If, If you get Aaron Gordon matched up on Doug McDermott, Oh, my goodness. You better give him the ball in the post immediately. But I I think in terms of an overall effort, I think every person has to bring their best effort forward, obviously. Um, But you really need production out of every single role player against San Antonio because we saw it in the playoff series a couple years ago. What Pop likes to do is is he is going to late double Jokic. So, you know, that shot clock starts to wind down. Jokic is in the post. He doesn't see anybody come. And then, boom, you know, that late double happens. And that that does confuse him. And it confuses most players in the NBA. And, you know, Pop knows it. So they're going to see that late double. 
Um, and shooters, they're going to have to make shots. I mean, you're going to get wide open opportunities in this game. You're going to have to convert these, these wide open shots. And uh, another point that I would like to see Denver um, augment their game is hey, let's, let's play at a little faster pace. I know we like to play um, slow in the half court. I know we're, we're a methodical team, but at, you know, at certain points throughout this game, it just seemed lethargic. I mean, yeah, players just dribbling uh, on the perimeter, really not doing much. Not Players weren't cutting off ball. And then, boom, five seconds left in the shot clock. You got Barton dribbling between his legs, doing a 363. You know, like those aren't the type of possessions <laughs> you want to have. You got bailed out because you have the MVP in the overtime. But against San Antonio, they're not going to beat themselves. They're not going to allow you to get bailed out you need to play solid fundamental basketball let's get aggressive to the paint early driving kick opportunities shooters make the open shots harder said than done but um if you want to get a win tonight that's what you're gonna have to do or tomorrow you said that if if they were able to get two wins over the course of these next couple that you think that would be a turning point for the season why do you think that I think that's just going to breed confidence in every single player. I mean, you got two games on the road in San Antonio. I mean, the Nuggets are, you know, a vet team. They know how hard it is to play in San Antonio. Morris, Jokic, Barton, you know, they all, they've been in playoff series against San Antonio. They know how hard it is to play. So if you get out of there with two wins, one being um, on a back-to-back, that that's that's gonna give them something um, to look back at later in the season. So if you get a tough back to back later in the season, um, you know, and everybody's tired and they just don't have it that night, the shots aren't falling, then you can look back and say, "Whoa, hey, back in December we took two from San Antonio in, in a place where we consistently struggle. We we can do this." And that is, that's essential, essential for a playoff team. You hear championship teams talk about it all the time where, you know, they'll have a certain possession. They'll be like, oh, well, I just remembered that one time, you know, we were down by 12 and we came back. Those are the moments that you're going to have to create now so you can look back at them in a playoff stretch. I think that there is something to that for sure. Uh, I'm actually, frankly, there's a lot to that. There's a lot to self-belief. And I think that Denver has really struggled with that for a lot of this season. When you see a lot of your, your main guys go down, how, how difficult is it to play without Jamal Murray? How difficult is it to play without Michael Porter Jr. on top of that? I think that there are some times where they figured it out and they know that they can do it, but it can be very taxing at times. And I think seeing all of these guys go down and, and seeing health and safety protocols and rolled ankles and wrist injuries to Jokic and things like that, it can be a little bit stressful that I, I absolutely do think though, that like this is something Denver's going to have to learn if they want to be a championship caliber team, that you have to have those moments where you just hit the gas, where you, find that self-belief, that level of confidence in yourself, and you just go and you go on that 20 to seven run, that 25 to two run, whatever it is. Uh, It's got to be on the road. It's got to be like, you can't just use the power of your home crowd in order to do it because any team can use the power of their home crowd. You just have to be able to find your belief on the road because there are going to come times, especially in the playoffs this, this coming year, that if Denver makes it, they're going to probably be on the road in a lot of these games, given the seeding of what it looks like right now and what they're going to have to fight through when Jamal Murray comes back. And if Michael Porter comes back, I, I'm very curious to see what the mentality of this team looks like and whether they could use this as a propping point. I think that is a spot on uh, point there made Tommy. Um, let's see. Sorry. I'm, I'm having trouble breathing for some reason. Um, I was too after that after that game. <laughs> that Jokic just uh he takes the breath out of you, man. He uh he's just incredible. So uh tell you what, let, let's uh 
let's play a game. How many of the Western Conference contenders are you scared of in a playoff series? Let's see. Let's just go through them right now. We'll start from the bottom here. The Dallas Mavericks. Um, that's, that's a tough one. They're a very explosive team, but from what I've seen on Aaron Gordon defending Luka Doncic, I think Gordon kind of bothers him a bit. So the Dallas Mavericks do not fear me when it comes to the playoffs. They are yet to, um, kind of, you know, stamp, um, you know, stamp their playoff production. So I do not fear them. Portland trailblazers. Nope. Their defense is has not been good for a long time. We all know Damian Lillard is an incredible, incredible player. I absolutely love him. I love his game. Portland's talented. You know, if, if you sleep on them, they can definitely take two or three from you in a series, but um, they do not fear me. The Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, they're, they're a really interesting team. And ironically, they kind of fear me, <laughs> you know, in the, play, in the playoffs. No, you know, but in the regular season, if the Nuggets don't bring it, the Timberwolves will absolutely, um, you know, play them out of the gym. Anthony Edwards is going to be a bona fide superstar. He is incredible. D'Angelo Russell is an underrated player in this league. Um, and Carl Anthony Towns, um, you, you know, he, he was exalted, um, you know, for the first, you know, three or four years of his career. And then, you know, people kind of forgot about him, but he, he's an all pro caliber player. So, and Malik Beasley, you know, we all know about Malik Beasley is an excellent piece off the bench. The Nuggets would love to have Malik Beasley production off the bench. Um, so yeah, they're kind of scary. Unfortunately, well, they have Damian Lillard off the bench of Bones Highland. So I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, that's kind of a tough one. Um, they do not, um, fear me when it comes to the playoffs. Cause I think they will be a playoff team. I don't think the Timberwolves will be a playoff team. Um, but, um, the Grizzlies are excellent in the paint. John Morant is probably the best person scoring in the paint in the league. He's been unstoppable right now. The Nuggets really aren't going to be able to stop him. Um, and they're, they're good defensively. Dylan Brooks is really solid out on the perimeter. Um, so, yeah, if we get into a series with them, that will be tough. And especially going to Memphis in the grindhouse, that's a tough place to play. I'm ta- I'm calling you out here because uh, you keep saying they don't fear me. And I, I love that because it's so funny. Uh, they definitely, they definitely, me personally, I'm sitting at home. <laughs> they definitely don't fear you, man. <laughs> that's, uh, that's definitely true. Uh, no, that's uh, like, I, I agree with you on Memphis and, and what Ja has done. Uh, he's not quite in that MVP conversation, especially seeing as they've been able to win a bunch of games without him because of the formula that they have. But when he's out there, He's just dynamic, and Denver does not have an answer for him. Like, Aaron Gordon's not going to guard him. They need somebody else who's going to guard him. They need somebody else who's an, an athletic guard who can sit down and stay in front of him or at least try uh, because right. Gordon cannot stay in front of Ja. No. <laughs> no, not, not a lot of people can. Um, but, yes, the, the Memphis Grizzlies do concern me, but I think the Nuggets are a better team, and I think they would win – in his series. So yes, I am a little concerned, but I do think the Nuggets uh, would beat them in a series. How about the Los Angeles Lakers? Of course they fear me. I don't care what their record is. <laughs> you they are again. the LA Lakers. <laughs> oh my gosh. Why, why, why does that just come so easily to me? Why, why is, I, I don't know. I, I, I apologize. To the you're, you're doing great. Uh, Keep going. Real rough patch <laughs> here. I, Heard the LA Lakers and I immediately just started shaking in my boots. Sorry. Um, but yes, the, the Los Angeles Lakers are a very dangerous team. Any team that has LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook is, is just going to be extremely explosive. They're going to get better on the defensive end. Um, they will definitely compete for a championship when it is all said and done. It's funny. They, they weren't playing well for a long time. And now Russell Westbrook is in that part of his stage 
where he goes from an awful player for the first 20 games to a really, really great player for the next 40. And there will be a time in this cycle where he kind of cycles back to the version of player that he was. Uh, but I do think that Anthony Davis has to improve that they, like they're going to have to get better defense out of him and they can in the playoffs, frankly, like he's just gotta, he's just gotta show up, but do I, I'm actually not really concerned about this team. I think that Denver has the physicality and the athletes at forward in order to match up with them better than most people would say. Uh, because it, if, if it comes down to Anthony Davis hitting a bunch of jumpers, I'm okay with taking that bet. I'll take Jokic over him. I, I, I am as well, but in the playoff series, he, he did hit – his fair share of jumpers against us um, on their way to the championship. And they are returning Dwight Howard. You know, it's, you get Dwight Howard in there and they have DeAndre Jordan, you know, they, they got lengthy bodies um, in, in the inside and in the interior. And, you know, those are physical players. Um, I don't know necessarily if the Nuggets can match up with that height, um, but um, it, it would be an incredible series to watch. It would be very fun six game winning series for Denver. I'm 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 gonna speak it into existence here. Let's go. Um I love it. The Utah Jazz. Oh. Um yes, they 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 are a concerning team. And I think a big factor of that is because they shoot a bunch of three pointers. They're very good at it, but they also are very good in the paint. You know, they're, they're a diverse offense. Um, they don't really just, you know, stick to three-point shooting like the Houston Rockets did. You know, they can get inside the paint. Gobert um, is an absolute beast inside. Yes, Jokic does own Gobert, um, but Donovan Mitchell is just he, – he, I think he's he's on a streak right now, and I could be wrong, where tonight he – I think he scored his fourth straight game 30-plus. Um, so he's getting hot right now, Jordan Clarkson. Great piece. Um, they, they're just a really deep team. They, they are they are yet to prove themselves in the playoff. So that's why um, I think if the Nuggets get a little bit more chemistry and a little more aggression, I, I think we could beat them. Um, but um, they, they are a dangerous team. As long as Murray comes back for that series, I feel pretty good about Denver in general. Uh, it's not going to be easy. Like that, that's going to be a six or seven game series for sure but I feel more comfortable with Jokic in a seven game series than just about anybody. So we're just going to have to see about that. Um, the golden state warriors. Absolutely. They are the best team in the league. Um, the Nuggets. Really? Yeah. Who do you, who do you think is better than the Warriors? I, I really like the Suns this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the Suns are a great team. It's it's definitely kind of one A, one B, right now. But the the Warriors, it's just not a lot of flaws in their game. I mean, obviously perimeter wise, they have the best threat from the perimeter that we've ever seen. Um, and the Nuggets will not be able to guard that in any capacity. That doesn't matter. You just you just have to hope that Curry has an off night. Um, Draymond Green is one of the best defensive players in the league. He's always in the defensive player of the year category. And then now you've got Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole giving you about like 15 a night. So you're getting steady production. Um, Draymond Green's kind of a facilitator of that offense, and he does a fantastic job. But the one thing that absolutely scares me the most is their defense. Um, I haven't checked their stats of late, um, but the last time I did, they were the best defensive team in the NBA, um, you know. They move the ball well, and they, they have great coaching. Um, they, they're a tough team. Yeah, it, it's hard not to be afraid of them at this point. They, along with Phoenix, and I think we can both put Phoenix in that category as well, of they scare you. Uh, they are both going to be the two best teams in the Western Conference going into the playoffs. I think it's pretty clear. Golden State getting Draymond or getting Clay back at some point. I, I'm very curious to see how that goes and how that changes their team. Uh, if he looks great, if he plays great, then good for them. I'm I'm excited to, for him to play because he hasn't played in 900 days. It's two and a half years. It's just just crazy, man. So I hope that he gets back and they and they play really well with him. Um, what I will say about them, 
as well as about Phoenix, Michael Porter was always going to be a really tough matchup in each of those series. That was a series where off-ball movement, nuance, game plan, it was going to take advantage of Michael Porter a lot. And from a perspective of having to switch on to Chris Paul and Steph Curry and Devin Booker and Jordan Poole and guys like that, not sure how much Michael Porter would have helped Denver in that sort of series. You obviously can't bench Jokic. You're, you're not going to bench Jokic. But I do think that Denver playing Aaron Gordon at the four, playing three guards against each of those teams, and then just trying to switch everything, do everything that they can. If you've got Murray, if you've got Barton, if you've got Monte, if you've got AG, and you've got Jokic, it's kind of a starting and closing five in those situations. Uh, it's it's you're you're gonna feel okay with that. I think you gotta find guys that are in decent positions behind them as well. Uh, but as long as you've got the Murray Jokic pick and roll and then you can switch defensively, I feel like you can compete with those teams. Maybe they can't. Yeah, I mean we're gonna have to see. The the same point you had with Clay. Like we're not sure if Clay is gonna come off his injury hundred percent at the same production that he was um, you know, that he was used to, um, you know, through those championship years. And I think we kind of have to look at Jamal Murray in the same, in the same way. Um, you know, he, he, he's a, he's a shooter. I think it's his primary strength, um, is shooting, but also his dribble moves when he gets in the paint, he relies on that explosion. And if those knees aren't hundred percent and he doesn't trust that it's, it's going to be tough for him to get by defenders and then, you know, defenders are just going to crowd him at the three point line. So I'm really interested to see how he comes back. Thinking about those kinds of series, I actually think Austin rivers could be really helpful. Like a, a little bit more helpful than he has been through this season. Uh, but also kind of like reprising what he did in the Portland series a little bit. You're not going to want to play him against the opposing team's best guys, but having a guard that can switch and guard and fill in a game plan and do stuff like that. Like, I think I trust Austin Rivers more than I do Bones Island in that situation. I think I trust Austin Rivers more than I do Faku in that situation. So uh, Denver's going to need guys off their bench. And I think Austin Rivers is actually somebody that I, I circle there. I, I think Austin Rivers is actually – kind of being put in a tough position right now. Um, you know, a lot of the times when he comes in the game, his first shot is a three. And, you know, kind of most of the times it's open. Like, it's almost schemed. And what I want to see is just have him get some easy layups. Because, you know, sometimes we're struggling and then he'll get some layups. Then that's when that next three will fall. It, it's so difficult to start a game off the bench. You're cold. You know, you, you need to get back in the flow of the game. And then, you know, 20 seconds into the possession, you, you're getting the, you know, you're getting a three-point attempt off. It, it's hard to convert on those opportunities. You're a professional, so you probably should be able to. But it's difficult. Um, and I think if he just gets some opportunities at the rim, I think he can produce at a much higher level than we're seeing. Tommy, you've been great, man. I really appreciate you coming on with me and, and helping me break down this game, but also kind of going around the league a little bit. I think this was a really enjoyable exercise for me, and I hope it was enjoyable for the audience, man. I think uh, can kind of can kind of see that Denver, despite the fact that they're five hundred, they're not out of the wood. Like they're 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 still okay. They're they're not going to be uh, like Jokic gives them that ceiling, man. Jokic gives them that opportunity where he can. He can go off and, and kind of carry the day. So hope that they get that that good mix around him. But even if they don't, uh, Jamal Murray's coming back at some point. You can always, uh, even if it's not, even if it's not 100%, I just can't wait for that day. That's going to be a lot of fun and hope we get to break that down together, man. I agree. I can't wait for that opportunity. But, um, you know, again, Ryan, I really do appreciate, you know, you having me on today. Uh had a lot of fun and glad we can kind of break down a, a Nuggets win and uh, what's um, what they're looking like moving forward. So appreciate the opportunity and I had fun. Absolutely. Everybody, you can follow Tommy's work at Tommy No, a 303 at uh, T-O-M-M-Y-K-N-O-W-3-O-3. 
Uh, you can follow his work on Twitter. Make sure to go give him a follow. He is uh, he is very important for this Denver Nuggets group or Denver Stiffs group, excuse me, covering the Nuggets team. And uh, we've got some exciting stuff in the works that I think should be should be really fun right around the new year. So stick around. You will uh, you will not be disappointed. I think. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. That is going to do it for this this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.